This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Northwestern Community College. Join them for two weeks digging up dinosaur bones from the Jurassic period in Northwest Colorado this summer. For details, go to cncc.edu slash dinodig. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hello and welcome to I Know Dino. I'm Garrett. And I'm Sabrina. And today we'll be talking about Dilophosaurus, which was a special request via Facebook from our listener Luke, as well as some dinosaur news. First in the news, kind of getting it out of the way, (laughs) is a story that's being misreported some places and reported correctly others about a large salamander-like creature from the Triassic era that is sort of dinosaur-like. So the name, I think, is throwing off some news outlets because it's called Metopasaurus. So it's got that saurus bit to it that makes it sound like it might be a dinosaur. But really, it's got the sprawled stance that you see with modern reptiles and non-dinosaur reptiles, which means they look like they're doing a push-up rather than walking around like a dog or something, the way humans and dinosaurs do, and modern birds. It's really interesting looking. (laughs) Some have described it as having a toilet-shaped head, which is pretty accurate. It's really flat and wide, and generally interesting looking. It was around about 230 million years ago, so that's before most of the dinosaurs. But yeah, it was quickly outcompeted once they came around. But the most interesting piece of news, I think, from the last week was a giant tide was around in northern France. It's referred to as a super tide, and it only occurs once every 18 years or so. There was about a 15-yard difference between low and high tide, which meant, you know, that's about 45 feet. (laughs) It's a huge swing. And... The neat thing about this tide is when it goes out, it unveils a large set of dinosaur footprints. The footprints are about 200 million years old, and they're about 17 inches wide, so pretty large tracks. They were originally discovered in 1963 by a local chemist, but I guess they've only been able to see them three or four times total. Tomsk State University in Russia unveiled a possible new titanosaur. The fossils were dug up in 2008, and they're starting to publish some information about them. They were originally found in Siberia, and after some studying, they think that it's in that titanosaur group, which is the largest of the sauropods. Siberia had lots of dinosaurs wandering around about 100 million years ago, 
which puts them right in the middle of the Cretaceous period. And depending on where the research goes, it may have been the largest dinosaur ever found, but that's true of any new titanosaur. The last piece of dinosaur-related news, in Bayville, New Jersey, there's a dinosaur statue, and it's next to Route 9, which is between Atlantic City and New York City, and it's roughly a halfway point. So it's seen as sort of a landmark when people are driving between the two cities to show the halfway point. It's been standing there for about 80 years, but it's gone through quite a hard life. It's been nearly decapitated twice, once by a truck hitting a road sign that impaled the dinosaur and almost chopped off its head, and then a couple other times throughout its life. It's been rebuilt a couple times, most recent time in 1999 the sculptor took the opportunity to update the style of the dinosaur a little bit to make it more realistic it looks like you'd expect a dinosaur from the 1930s to be sculpted like it's got more of a sprawling stance and it's lower to the ground and its head was sticking up pretty high before the mayor of bayville is trying to get the dinosaur purchased and put in as a landmark because right now the land the dinosaur is sitting on is owned by a company in Texas, but they're not actually using the land. It's painted blue with a bunch of handprints all over it, and that's because in 2000 the land was purchased by a paint store that shares the property and is like a marketing gimmick. They had kids come out and put their handprints on it, but now the paint store is gone. So it's just a weird handprint-covered dinosaur with a partly broken neck in the middle of New Jersey. <laughs> so they want to buy it and repair it, which would be nice. That's it for the news. This episode's brought to you by the Colorado Northwestern Community College, where you can become a part of the scientific process. As a participant, you can go on a real-life dinosaur dig, and you'll be helping to advance science and our understanding of the ancient world. What's really cool is that the fossilized bones that are being excavated, they're public, and they're going to be displayed and preserved for future generations to study and admire. Yeah, we've mentioned how that's a really important part of the scientific process, not just getting them out and describing them once, but keeping them and preserving them so that future questions and future scientists can take a look at those bones to answer new questions and validate results. And the site is special and also near and dear to me because it's in the Morrison Formation, known for the sauropods, mm -hmm. of course, of the Jurassic time. And it represents one of the best bone beds ever found in the saltwash member. Yeah, the current interpretation is that the site was the result of a Brachiosaurus sort of jamming up a river and then other carcasses piling up behind it. Oh, no. And that's how we got a bunch of different types of dinosaurs all fossilizing together. So, oh, no, but also, yay. <laughs> Good for us as scientists. <laughs> mm -hmm. And dinosaur enthusiasts. Yes. So there are two scheduled digs if you want to get involved with getting these bones out of the ground. You can go from July 6th to July 20th or from July 22nd to August 5th. Head over to cncc.edu slash dinodig. You'll get all of the details. Just make sure that you register online by May 31st. And again, that is cncc.edu slash dinodig, D-I-N-O-D-I-G. 
Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Our dinosaur of the day is Dilophosaurus. And Dilophosaurus' name comes from the two crests that were on top of its head. It had these pair crests that were very distinctive. But it's not clear what the crests were used for. They may have been to attract females or help packs recognize each other. That is, if Dilophosaurus traveled in packs. One thing scientists can agree on, though, is that these crests were probably too delicate for anything but display purposes. Dilophosaurus lived in the early Jurassic about 200 to 190 million years ago. And it is famous from the Jurassic Park movie. If you remember the part, I don't remember the real the actor's name, but the guy who plays Newman. <laughs> so he, when he gets to the Jeep and there's the little spitting cobra-style dinosaur in there with the frill and everything. So they depicted it as being venomous and having that frill, but in real life, there's no evidence that it was poisonous, and there's also no evidence of it having a frill or spitting anything. And interestingly, there's no evidence of any dinosaurs having venom or frills. So Michael Crichton was said to have taken some creative license when creating that dinosaur, but it was quite a bit of creative license because in the movie, it was about the size of a dog, uh, if you remember, it was sitting in the passenger seat. But in real life, it was about 20 feet long and weighed over 1,000 pounds. So there's no way it would have fit in the Jeep, <laughs> especially with someone else in the car. Dilophosaurus looked very similar to most theropods, most meat eaters in the Jurassic in North America, except for its head crest. So it's kind of interesting that it was portrayed the way it was in Jurassic Park. One explanation, according to the Jurassic Park wiki, is that the inclusion of the frog DNA, or a splicing error, may have given it its abnormal traits. So that's their way of trying to explain this extra venom and frill. Dilophosaurus has a kind of interesting history. It was originally grouped as a megalosaur, which is considered the waste basket taxon for theropods. It was first discovered in 1942 in Arizona, and eventually, though, it became its own genus because of its crest. Some scientists say Dilophosaurus is a ceratosaur, while others say it's a cellophysis. So, in 1942, Sam Wells, a paleontologist, went to Arizona to confirm a dinosaur finding he had heard about from 1940. And he said that there were three dinosaurs, about 20 feet apart, but one was almost completely eroded, so they couldn't really learn anything from it. These skeletons were all collected in 10 days during a rush job, and they brought them to Berkeley. It took more than 12 years to clean the bones, and then eventually Dilophosaurus was first named Megalosaurus wetherelli. But Sam Wells wanted Dilophosaurus to be more than just a wastebasket dinosaur, understandably, so he went back to Arizona in 1964, and he found a fossil with a double crest on the top of its skull, so he named this new genus Dilophosaurus wetherelli in 1970. There's also another Dilophosaurus species, 
Dilophosaurus sinensis, which was discovered by Chinese paleontologists in the Yunnan province in 1987. Some scientists think it's a different dinosaur called Crylophosaurus, which means the cold-crested lizard, which is a species that was found in Antarctica in the early 1990s. Sam Wells also named a third Dilophosaurus species called Dilophosaurus bridorium, but he did not publish about it. Dilophosaurus was a primitive predator, so it didn't have forward-facing eyes or stereo vision. We talked about stereo vision earlier and how if you're a hunter, you want to be able to distinguish how far away an animal is, whereas if you're prey, you're like a sheep and you just want to be able to see as many angles so nothing can sneak up on you. So this is kind of an unusual one because it was definitely in the hunting group, but it hadn't evolved stereo vision yet, so must have been interesting. <laughs> I think it's especially interesting you combine that with the fact that it could run fast up to possibly 30 miles an hour, but it didn't have depth perception. <laughs> I'm not really sure how well that would work running through a forest without depth perception at a high rate of speed, but anyway, it seemed to work well for it for a few million years. It probably used scent to hunt. That might be based on the fact that it couldn't see that well, but it also had a good nose on it. It had a dew claw, which is that type of claw we talked about with Deinonychus sticking on the back of its foot, and it had hollow bones with an S-shaped curved neck. And every time I hear that, I think of the ostrich again. But, <laughs> you know, I guess maybe the ostriches are just one of many dinosaurs rather than being everything being like an ostrich. Dilophosaurus also had a long tail that could be used as a whip in a fight, and it may have hunted in packs. Scientists infer this from the group of three that they found in Arizona and footprints they found of groups. So they had long, slender, rear-curving teeth, long jaws, and strong arms to grab prey. And the teeth were also needle-like and could puncture, which means that they may have eaten fish. But Dilophosaurus may have also scavenged for food. It had a crocodile-like appearance with a notch behind the first row of teeth. And it had weakly rooted teeth in the back of its upper jaw, so it probably wasn't strong enough to hunt large prey. Again, maybe this helps the argument that it ate fish. It's unclear if it had feathers, but it was very bird-like. Based on some fossilized footprints, scientists think Dilophosaurus probably sat like a classic birds in an upright clapping position, with the palms facing each other in an upright position. If you'd like to see the Dilophosaurus skeletons, it's kind of tricky because they're not currently on display anywhere. They're housed at the University of California Berkeley Museum of Paleontology, but it's not open to the public except for one day a year, which is April 18th this year, 2015, and it's a day known as Cal Day because the school is called Cal for short. And Sabrina and I are probably going to go this year, see if we can see some of these skeletons that are hiding away in their museum. As we mentioned, Dilophosaurus is in the family... Dilophosauridae, and they lived all over the world. It's easy to live all over the world in the late Triassic and early Jurassic period because the continents hadn't separated much by that point, and they were some of the early carnivorous dinosaurs. Within the family, they were about 13 to 23 feet long and weighed between 660 and 1100 pounds. As Sabrina mentioned, they are named after their head crests, and that was probably used for attracting mates or scaring off rivals. 
Dilophosauridae did have that notch between their teeth, which made them look like crocodiles, but unlike crocodiles, they probably had pretty weak bites. So they were more likely to be scavengers than they were to be hunters, which I guess if you don't have stereo vision, it's pretty hard to be a hunter. So that kind of makes sense. Dilophosauridae tracks have been found in Utah, and they could probably swim. And being that they could probably swim, they probably also ate fish from time to time. Alan Cherig and Andrew Milner named the Dilophosauridae family in 1990, and at the time it only had the type genus Dilophosaurus. But now there's other species in that family, including Zupasaurus, Dracovinator, and Cynosaurus, as well as Cryolophosaurus. However, not all scientists think that Cryolophosaurus and Cynosaurus should be in the group, even though they are medium-sized theropods with crests on their heads. Dilophosauridae is part of the superfamily Coelophysodiae, but Dilophosaurids might be closer to the Tanneray group, which has advanced Megalosaurs, Carnosaurs, and Coelosaurs. Because Dilophosauridae was around in the late Triassic through early Jurassic, they may have been the oldest tetanurin theropods, which have stiff tails and evolved into modern birds. Yeah, so in a really neat way, they may have been the earliest great-great-great-great-grandparent <laughs> that we know of that's uh, you know related to modern avian birds. And it's funny, on the Wikipedia page, when you look at the Tetanuran group, it shows a Dilophosaurid next to a toucan, <laughs> which is a funny comparison, and you can see some of the similarities, as well as a lot of differences. And our fun fact is that the fastest dinosaurs were ornithomids, which are ostrich-like dinosaurs, such as Dromeciamimus, and they could run up to 37 miles an hour, which means that Dilophosaurus was... Pretty close to top speed, even way back then. And that wraps up this episode of I Know Dino. Thanks for joining us. Until next time. Good day.